I, I want to pick up where I where I left off last week, and and I'm going to um, kind of wrap wrap this thought up that I started last week, and I'm going to wrap it up with um, just a testimony of my own in this. So we were we were in um, John 11 last week, Lazarus being raised from the dead, and one of the points that I made at the end was, you know. Jesus standing at the tomb. There's been a lot of interaction that happened. Jesus is standing at the tomb, and he says, roll away the stone. Martha says, oh, my goodness, you don't want to roll it away? He's been dead four days. That dude is going to stink. In King James, it stinketh. And, and I made the point. I said, they rolled away the stone. Now, John makes it a, a definite point to remember that piece of conversation, which might seem like an insignificant thing. I mean, the bigger thing is Lazarus. This is the story of him being raised from the dead. But then he makes this point about if you roll that stone away, he's been dead four days. It's going to stink. And the next thing that happens is Jesus says, Father, I thank you that you always hear my prayer. And that was, and I said yet last week, that was in response to what he had already prayed before he even left to come to Lazarus. And there's no mention of anything stinking. So the stone gets rolled away. Jesus is there. And the next thing Jesus says is, Father, I thank you that you always hear my prayer. To me, the significant thing in that moment was, how did Jesus know you always hear my prayer? Because it didn't stink. Lazarus had not started decomposition. He was waiting for Jesus to arrive. And then, of course, Jesus calls him out of the tomb and I'm not going to go into that whole thing again, but again, that's an interesting question. How did he actually come out of the tomb? Because he was bound head, foot, face. How did he get out? I answered that last week. If you missed the answer, sorry. I just can't repeat everything. Uh, but what I, where I want us to look at today, where I want to take us a little bit further, is I said in conclusion last week, that, that God will put us in these places where he prepares us ahead of time for what is to come. And the preparing ahead of time for what is to come doesn't remove us from what is to come. It prepares us for what is to come. And I said that in this moment when Jesus called Lazarus forth and he came out of the tomb, for Jesus himself, the man, I believe, faith then rose in him for his own resurrection. Wow. That now he knew, Father, I thank you, you always hear my prayer. And, it, and so in, in God's providence, he sets things ahead of us, waiting for our arrival so that when we arrive, that which he's put in front of us is there and now available. So God's providence to Jesus was, I'm going to demonstrate the resurrection. Now, there was more to it than just giving Jesus 
what was needed to go the next step. There's more to that story than that. We covered that. But it's for Jesus himself, the man. It was that moment where, okay, Father, I thank you. You really do hear my prayers. So let's jump over to Psalms 22. So why did Jesus need, need that? What was, what, was, what was put in him at that moment? Um, I, I don't know that I talked about it yesterday or last week, but I have talked about it. My view is that Jesus was not, like the, the day he was born and Mary wrapped him up in swaddling clothes, Jesus did not start quoting Isaiah 55 or Isaiah 53 or even Psalms 22. He cried, he breastfed, and he pooped. I don't know if it was in that order, but it's about right, yeah. Yep, yep, it's just, it's the way us humans roll. So Jesus, the scriptures tell us that Jesus grew in who he was. He grew in the understanding of himself. He, there were moments in his life where key things happened that led him, that, that reinforced to him, I am the Messiah. And he grew in that awareness over time. So this is another one of those moments where, again, Jesus calls Lazarus forth. When the stones rolled away, he knows. He knows this is different. This is different than any other tomb that you would be standing in front of with someone four days dead. Father, thank you. You do hear my prayers. Because immediately upon you know, this, this situation with Lazarus ending, Jesus now comes under intense um, resistance from the Jewish people and then ultimately by, by the Romans themselves. As, he, as it brings him to the cross. So I want to read Psalms 22. You know, this is referred to as a messianic psalm. I think we all can see why. Uh, I think I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation instead of English Standard. God, my God, why would you abandon me now? Why do you remain distant, refusing to answer my tearful cries in the day and my desperate cries for your help in the night? I can't stop sobbing. Where are you, my God? Yet I know that you are most holy. It's indisputable. You are God enthroned, surrounded with songs, living among the shouts of praises of your princely people. My father's faith was in you. Through the generations, they trusted and believed in you, and you came through. Every time they cried out to you in their despair, you were faithful to deliver them. You didn't disappoint them. But look at me now. I'm like a woeful worm crushed. I'm bleeding, I'm bleeding crimson. I don't even look like a man anymore. I've been abused, despised, scorned by everyone mocked by their jeers, despised by their sneers, as all the people poke fun at me, spitting their insults, saying, 
Is this the one who trusted in God? Is this the one who claims God is pleased with him? Now let's see if God will come to your rescue. You'll see how much he delights in you. Lord, you've delivered me safely from my mother's womb. You are the one who cared for me ever since I was a baby. Since the day I was born, I've been placed in your custody. You've cradled me through my days. I've trusted in you, and you've always been my God. So don't leave me now. Stay close to me, for trouble is all around me, and there's no one else to help me. I'm surrounded by many violent foes. Mighty forces of evil are swirling around me who want to break me into bits and destroy me. Curses pour from their mouths. They are like ravenous, roaring lions tearing their prey. Now I'm completely exhausted. I'm spent. Every joint of my body has been pulled apart. My courage has vanished and my inward parts have melted away. I'm so thirsty and parched, dry as a bone. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth, and now you've left me in the dust for dead. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Like a pack of wild dogs, they tear at me, swirling around me with their hatred. They gather around me like lions, pin on hands and, lions to pin on hands and feet. All my bones stick out. Look at how they all gloat over me and stare. To toss the dice, they divide my clothes among themselves, gambling for my garments. Lord, my God, please don't stay far away. For you are my only might and strength. Won't you come quickly to rescue Give me back my life. Save me from this violent death. Save my precious one, the only one, from the power of these demons. Save me from all the power of the enemy. For this roaring lion rages against me and the power of this dark horde. And then, now the psalm shifts. But I just want to start right there. Why did he need what he got at the tomb at Lazarus because these are the next days of his life. And the thing that amazes me in, in this thing that we call Christianity, every other spiritual way of looking at life deals with me either subjugating myself to a God that I have to do certain things to or certain things for, or I'm, I am God, and so I'm just working on becoming a better God, and I'm just actualizing myself into nirvana, and all points in between. Christianity is the only place where God became a man instead of asking man to act like a god. He came to earth. The word became flesh, not just a divine flesh. He became flesh, a flesh that could be torn, a flesh that could be broken, a flesh that felt what I feel, 
a flesh that walked the way I walk, a flesh that so identifies with me that we can now say to each of us individually, the word has become flesh. The word has become flesh. The word has become flesh. Not elevating that inequality with him, just saying, when I'm born again, the word has become flesh. So now he identifies with me. The invitation isn't for me to somehow act right so I look like him. He actually comes and looks like me. And in looking like me, for the first time as a human being, I have the ability and the invitation to now look like him. Because he came first. So this ties into what, which was this morning, opening of the service was awesome. As it always is, actually, but I'm just saying that today was. Verse uh, 25. Now the psalmist shifts. Now this is David writing this psalm. It's pretty cool in itself. Psalms, or verse 25. So he ends with listening to the song of the afflicted. Verse 25 starts with, you're the reason for my praise. It comes from you and goes to you. I will keep my promise to praise you before all who fear you among the congregations of your people. I will invite the poor and the broken, and they will come and eat until satisfied. Bring Yahweh praise, and you will find him. Your hearts will overflow with life forever. From the four corners of the earth, the peoples of the world will remember and return to the Lord. Every nation will come and worship him. For the Lord is king of all, who takes charge of all the nations. There they are. They're worshiping. The wealthy of this world will feast in fellowship with him right alongside the humble of heart. Bowing down to the dust, forsaking their own souls, they will all come and worship this worthy king. His spiritual seed shall serve him. Future generations will hear from us about the wonders of the sovereign Lord. His generation yet to be born will glorify him and they will declare, it is finished. That <sighs> just wrecks me, the whole thing just wrecks me. As, was, as many of you have said in, in this uh, mosaic of worship this morning, it's this place of God has come, he's identifying with me and my humanity, and in my humanity, I'm subject to brokenness, I'm subject to pain, I'm subject to things not being the way I want them to be, I'm subject to having to wait, I don't know why that has to play into it, uh, but I have to wait for things, things become unsettled, there's all the, there's all the uncertainties that being a human being are, are part of my life, they're part of my frame, and yet, the word becomes flesh. Or as I said last week in my conversation with Jesus where he just said, you are my body. Not in the bigger picture, which is true, but individually. 
You are my body. But Lord, do you understand where I'm at? I don't even, I don't, I don't even know where you are, but you're my body. In this, where, where he's saying, Lord, you know, how long will I be here in silence? How long will I be in this place where it seems like you're, you're not to be found, you're far off? When all along, that's not really the way it is. And uh, when it concludes with, it is finished, there's, um, I don't know if it originated with him, but a friend of mine uses this um, statement a lot. He'll say, well, it's finished, but it's not complete. So we live from the place that it's finished. Jesus said it's finished, but it's not complete. It's not complete until he returns. The house isn't fully built until the master of the house returns. So I, the, I don't know, this may be a poor analogy, but kind of the way I, I that the picture I get that helps me with that is if I'm gonna if I'm gonna build a uh, I'm gonna build a house. So I go to the bank, I, I get the money, so now I'm ready. So once I walk out of the bank with the money, I can say it's finished. But it's not complete. The house still has to be built. But it's finished. In, in, in one realm, it's already totally finished. But now in the realm, in the natural realm, it's still got to be complete, completed, which is going to take time. It's going to take energy. It's going to have ups and downs. And anybody that's ever built a house, you know how smooth that process goes. Um, but that's how life functions, isn't it? I mean, I have the fullness of the promises of God, but the promises of God are still being worked out in me, and sometimes they're being worked out because there's obstacles outside of me. Sometimes they're being worked out because there's obstacles within me. But it's still being worked out. The promise is it'll be completed. You know, the, the, you, anybody has functioned as the you know, a project manager or a general contractor and has to deal with the person that wants it to be completed, there's, there's a lot of times you have to just look at the person and go, yeah, I know, the, I know the refrigerator fell off the back of the truck when they were backing up, but don't worry. We'll get you a fridge. You're going to have a fridge. There'll be a fridge in the kitchen when you walk in. We're going to handle it. You know? Sometimes that's how Holy Spirit is like with us. It's like we're complaining because this thing just broke, or this happened, or that happened, or the other thing happened, and Holy Spirit, the comforter, is like, we got it. We got it. We got it. Well, where is it going to come from? We got it. Well, who are you going to buy it from? We got it. There'll be a refrigerator here on Tuesday. Don't worry. And on the other side, all the worrying I want to do about the fridge showing up on Tuesday won't make it show up one minute faster. Because actually, I don't have any control over it. The, ma the manager has control over it. Holy Spirit will get there, get it there when it needs to be there, and it'll be in sequence with all the other things that need to arrive in my life when they need to arrive. Paul says it this way in Romans 5. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what 
our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us, within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character. We all just love that. And proving character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. For when the time was right, the Anointed One came and died to demonstrate His love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. Now who of us would dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? We can all understand if someone is willing to die for a truly noble person, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. And there is still much more to say about his unfailing love for us. For the flu through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, you are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is ours. Now we are at peace with God, and because we share in his resurrection life, how much more will we be rescued from sin's dominion? Even more than that, we overflow with triumphant joy in our relationship of living in harmony with God, all because of Jesus Christ. So, the question I have is the ultimate goal, easy life or harmony with God? I think you know, most of us agree, it's harmony with God. But an easy life isn't bad if it gets thrown in along the way. We're not, I don't think any of us turn those pieces down. But I want to be in this place where I'm in harmony with God because ultimately if I'm in harmony with God, then when I hit these spots that I'm going to hit, whether I'm dealing with sickness, whether I'm dealing with financial issues, relational issues, governmental issues, whatever it is, if I'm in harmony of God with God, now I'm also in the peace of God. Now I can also live in the joy of God regardless of my circumstances. And my ultimate victory is that not my physical circumstances, even though I completely, you know, praying for the sick, all, the, all those things that we all pray for and we want, I'm not minimizing that at all. I'm only saying I think there's a higher place in our lives and our living yeah. than just what my physical circumstances are dictating to me in the moment. Yeah. And I don't have to surrender one and give up faith but I get to live in the realm of the other, yeah. regardless of where my circumstances take me today. And I think that's the, that's the abundant life.
That's, that's what Jesus is saying, and that's what he modeled. I mean, you know, even as we go through, you know, the, from, if you take just reading from the resurrection of Lazarus on through to the crucifixion, if you just look how he handled that, that, that period in his life at that moment, it was not, you know, easy at any, at any measure. And so I want to conclude with, with a story, and I've told it here before. It's in the book, um, but I just, because of some conversations I had with somebody earlier in the week, this, this came back again. The memory came back, um, and so it's, I've been reliving it now. So I thought, well, maybe it's a good time to, to share it again. But, um, you know, after, after the death of Jennifer, I went through four long years, incredibly dark years, uh, not knowing what the heck, who I was, where I was going. It was just dark. I didn't know where God was. And, and during that time, if you had talked to me, I would have said, I have this giant hole right here in the center of my being, and it's dark, and it's pain, and it's, and I, and it's like anything that fits under that, those adjectives, that was that hole. And like the psalmist, if you talked to me then, I would tell you, I don't know where God is. I haven't heard God's voice in months, now years. I don't know where God is. If, and it wasn't like it was a, uh, it wasn't a crisis of faith for me. I wasn't, it wasn't like I'm going, well, I'm just going to chuck Christianity. It, it's, you know, it, I, never, I never got to that point. I know people that do get to that point, but for me, that wasn't my experience. I, had, I actually had a person come up to me and, he's, and ask me directly, like, well, doesn't this like just ruin your faith in like a God? I mean, don't you, I mean, after this, how could you, I mean, do you even think of, that there's a God that, that would let this thing happen? And I had to say to him, I said, no, no, I, I, have, I have no problem in believing in God. And I have no problem in believing that Jesus is God in the flesh. I'm not having that type of crisis. I'm just saying where they are and where I am is a millennia apart, and I don't know how to get to them, and I don't think they're interested in getting to me. And that, that was my story for well over three years. And I actually, I think during that time, because I was pastoring here, I was, scary thought, I was preaching here. And I probably said that here. Um, and then uh, at a certain point, I was starting to write the book and, and before I could write the book, I needed to get some answers to some things because I didn't feel I could really write the book without these, these questions I've had about Jennifer's death. I, they've got to be somehow resolved or I can't write the book because otherwise the book is going to make no sense. Um, and so I had a sozo with Bob. He, he was the, the facilitator of that. And unlike you know just a normal sozo where you just come in and they're asking you the general questions and all that stuff. I mean, I, I came with my questions. God, I don't know what questions you got, but I got questions. And uh, I don't know what your answers you're looking for from me, but I've got answers I'm looking for from you. So let's start. So we started from that. And I asked the questions. Well, in, answering, in, in asking the question, one of the, 
one of the, the key questions was, I don't understand um, where you were in this. I don't understand what, how, where were you at in Jennifer's death? Because during that time, we had personal intercessors that prayed for us on a regular basis, prayed for the protection of our family and provision. And you know, I, From all the conferences I'd been to, I was doing what they told me to do, to be a good pastor and to be a good <clears throat> spiritual warrior and all the other things that they told me at the conferences. I had all my ducks in a row, which meant, God, I got you. You got to do what I tell you to do because I'm, ser I'm serving you, and the deal is I serve you, you protect me. Right? And I mean, that, isn't that what you're saying? Isn't that what you promised? At least that's what the people at the conference said. <laughs> and I paid my money to go, so I came home believing what they said. <laughs> so um, I had all that in rest of God, what happened? I mean, what, what was going on? So in the, in, the, um, in the Sozo, I all of a sudden, I'm sitting in our living room on the couch next to Jennifer. With, and this was, had literally happened. This, I'm right back to what had happened the night of her death, which honestly, to even go near that was way too scary for me before. Like, I can't. I can't do it. So, but now I'm there. And so there's me, Jennifer, Jesus, and a blue orb. And Holy Spirit was there, but not in any shape that I could see, but I just knew he's also present. <clears throat> so um, as I'm sitting there, Jennifer's, we're in the conversation that we had literally had. And as I had been doing in that conversation, I have my arm around her shoulder, and I'm playing with her hair as we're talking. Except where I am now, Jesus on the other side of her also has his arm around her shoulder, and he's playing with her hair. And the orb, this blue orb, which was probably three feet maybe in diameter, it's sitting on the couch next to me. With that, the scene changes, and I'm in the car, and Jennifer and Jesus are in the front, and me and the blue orb are in the back of the car. And of course, the accident happened right down the road here. So I go through the whole accident. I hear the, all the sounds, watch everything that's happened. We slide off to the, to the side of the road where the car literally was. And at that point, I'm, as I'm in the back seat, I'm looking out you know, at, at the car as it was. Jennifer's body is, is leaning against the steering wheel, except Jennifer and Jesus are standing in front of the car, looking back at the car. And they look at each other and go, man, that's a mess. And they both turn and walk down the shoulder till they're gone. Me and the blue orb were still in the back seat. I knew the blue orb was Father God. And at that point, I realized 
this thing that I've been carrying for over three years, saying it's just a black hole that represents pain, abandonment, the absence of God, all those things I'd put into that hole was actually Father God all along. He was the blue orb that was beside me, was the, what I thought was a hole, but it wasn't a hole. It was actually God with me. The word became flesh, and he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He had been the one absorbing the pain. He had been the one that had been there through all, that I, all the insults I put against him, all the frustrations I'd put against him, all the things I said about him. It was him all along. So when it got done, and I finally saw that, I mean, we're still sitting in the Sozo session. I, when I saw that, I'm totally broken. I'm like, oh my goodness. I said, God, how, why would you let me for three years say these things? Why, why would you permit that to happen? And he just, in, in the kindest words, as only he can speak to him, he just said, because you're worth it. It was important that those three years happened. It was important that I went through those three years. It was important that I found God to be far deeper in me than I ever thought that he was before it all started. And the, the gift that it gives me today is for those of you that talk about your struggles, that talk about your frustrations, to talk about your places of despair, talk about all the things that we all talk about. I'm so excited for you. I have so much hope for you. I have so much expectation for you. Because as the scriptures say, my deliverer comes. He comes riding on the horse. He is my deliverer. Now, the way he delivered, I guarantee you, is not the way I wanted to be delivered. But having now space between the actual event and where I am now, I'm so thankful that it ended up being this way. Not just for me, but for others. It gives me something that I get to give away on a continual basis. Because there's no shortage of tragedy in the world. But we, the body of Christ, we are the answer if the hope that should be in us is in us. Yeah. And the way the hope's there, Paul told us how it gets there, we're going to persevere. We're going to go through various trials, tribulations, and all that stuff. But I never go through that without him, and I never go through that without ultimately something good being brought out of the ashes that I feel I'm in right now. It's just, it's just the way, even if I don't get everything that I want. I know, you know, my, my prayer was for Jennifer to be raised from the dead. I laid across her body for a couple hours in the hospital. That was my prayer. That was my declaration. That's what I wanted. I did not get that prayer answered, but it is answered because she's alive. 
And not only is she alive, I'll see her again. And when I see her again, it'll be minus this. And it will be glory to glory. It will be the joy of the Lord. It will be us celebrating. My goodness, what an amazing father we have that he's collected his whole family. And the family for eternity is designed to celebrate. And we look back and we go, I was so, I was so, um, I don't know, I, I, I was so pulled into the natural that I only could see it had to function in a natural realm for it to be God and all along God's going, well, there is the natural realm, but there is also the spiritual realm. And I've created you to know the spiritual realm and to live in the spiritual realm because ultimately that's where you're going to end up. And so it is finished, but it's not completed. But Jesus the Christ is returning, and at his return, it is all set right. On the earth, as it is in heaven, it is set right. And the dead in Christ will rise. And we will be with those that have gone on before. That is the good news of the gospel. Amen. I got to blow my nose since everybody else has been blowing their nose for the last 10 minutes. Although I will turn off my mic. I just wanted to um, thank you, Robert, for sharing that. Um, So Philippians says, um, I thank my God every time I remember you. In every prayer for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And uh, just in the midst of my own life, that verse has been uh, a promise to me. And I know that he will complete the work that he began in me. And he'll complete the work that he's begun in all of you. And, um, yeah, I'm just so thankful to serve a God and love a God that loves me. And that has much more, so much more than what we think you know, he's got so much to give us. So, yeah. Thank you, Robert, for that. And to piggyback off that, I just, when you were wrapping up with the Jesus is coming, like, it's not the doom and gloom. <laughs> he's not coming with a bunch of doom and gloom and stuff. It's, I just, I feel like this excitement for, um, yeah, you need him. Um, this excitement for, like, like you can almost like feel the ground trembling as he like approaches and like, it's not, I, I don't know. Like I, I've, I've heard it. The your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I've heard it said like, we're begging for it. I've heard it said like, it's already done. And like, I just feel like as it is in heaven and it's like coming towards us. And like, 
those miracles start to ignite as he's going by every as he gets closer and closer and closer and closer and closer and I'm just really excited about that um, it just clicked for me today I don't know why but I just wanted to share that in case anybody else needs it but it's exciting so. um, and then yeah also to just kind of encourage you guys I um you know, you've all been praying for healing for me for a long time. And, and over the last like 10 years, I've been getting prayer and maybe 12 years, um, for healing. And, um, you know, it's not complete yet in this world, in this, on this side. And, um, so that can be discouraging, you know, definitely for people to pray for me. And then I walk away still like in pain. <laughs> um, but like hearing you share this morning, you know, it's just, it is it comes back to like worshiping him in the midst of it you know and and that hole that you had that you thought was something was something else and like I'm just constantly wanting the Lord to do more in me than just heal my physical symptoms that's my heart it's always been that way and um he's he's given me gifts every time I've been sick or hospitalized or whatever it may be every time I'm, you know, can't sleep because of pain or whatever. I, I remember that he who began a good work in me will carry it on to completion. And that might not be till, you know, I'm in glory and that's okay, but I don't want to live my life like desperately seeking healing. I want to live my life lifting up Christ and whatever he does with my body here is you know, up to him. And I don't want to be in a place of despair and discouragement every day because I'm not seeing my prayers answered. I want to live in a place of, you know, joy and thankfulness and just trust. Um, you know, even though it's painful. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to encourage you guys to, to press into him, to, to let him carry you through those moments. Um, and don't be afraid to praise him, you know, don't be afraid to praise him. So we have a speaker. So I just have to share <clears throat> this morning started off with a bang, uh, walked into the church with Jim and Kathleen. Kathleen was moving very slowly. I could tell there was she was in pain. She sat down right as soon as she got in the door. She was going to sit down, and I, I asked and what was going on. She stood back up, and she said, arthritis. I, don't, I can't remember. Did you say hips, legs? And um, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. That, that won't do. <laughs> and, uh, and we prayed. And the Lord touched her. And then she was getting ready to sit back down after we prayed. And I'm like, no, 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 walk, walk. Because as you walk, each step that you take, it's going to come off. It's going to come off. It's going to come. You're going to get better and better and better. And she did. And it did. Hallelujah. So, amen. I mean, he's a healer. He's, he's here to heal. And, and sometimes it is in stages and sometimes it is at once. And he just loves us so much. And he's with us all the way through. And. I just praise him and thank him for what he's doing every second. Amen. 
So as we close, if you need prayer, please come up. We would love to pray for you. Maybe, maybe just some stuff that's been touched this morning and you just need to resolve that before you leave. Then don't leave without resolving it. Come up. The team would love to pray for you, and we welcome you. Other than that, it's a glorious day out there. Go out and enjoy it. Amen. Amen. That means you can go home now. <laughs>